What are the lies boys are being told in today's world? What are the lies boys are believing? And what is that doing to this generation? We're going to talk about that today with a mom and dad of four boys. They believe in the power of a story and in the power of parents to help direct their son's heart toward truth. You're going to hear more about that today at the Radio Backyard Fence. And I want to hear from you about the lies boys believe. Already people have responded to this online. Think about this question. What lies are boys being told today? And let me make it more personal. What lie has your boy been told? Is he believing that lie? And if not, why? Have you had a conversation like that with your son? Want to hear from you today? You can find our number online at chrisfabrylive.org or call 877-548-3675. Let me thank our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trisha is our producer. Gabby T is in the chair today. Laura will be answering your calls. Let me thank you for your response here in November. Almost to the last day of November, we hit our people goal yesterday, the number of people responding. So thank you for your generosity here in November. Did you hear Ed Shaw? Dr. Shaw was with us yesterday. His wife, Rebecca, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was, I believe she was 53. And for the next nine years of her life, as he helped her, not only was her life changed, his life changed drastically. Many who are listening right now know about that long goodbye of dementia and Alzheimer's. I enlisted Dr. Shaw to help me capture the story of a man named Grayson Hayes, who has a favorite dog (laughs) named DuBose. And the people around Grayson are trying to love him well. It's a mystery wrapped in a love story, wrapped in the fragile form of a man who is asking, can God forgive the sins? I can't remember. Let me send you a copy of Saving Grayson. Get on the Grayson train today. Click through at chrisfabrylive.org. Give a gift of any size. I'd love to send you a copy, chrisfabrylive.org. Or you can call our listener line at 866-95-FABRY. You'll hear how you can give a gift right there. 866-953-2279. Thanks for your support at the Radio Backyard Fence. Aaron and Jason Davis are the parents of four boys. Aaron's an author and speaker. Jason is a mild-mannered marketing manager who loves alliteration. They live in the Midwest on a small farm. And there's a gnat in here, and I can't get rid of it. Gnats are supposed to be gone by Thanksgiving. Uh, They have a heart for the next generation of young men and what they're up against. So they have written Lies Boys Believe and the Epic Quest for Truth, It's our featured resource at chrisfabrylive.org. There's also a parent's guide to lies boys believe that's available. Aaron, Jason, welcome to the program. How are you two doing today? Hello, Chris. Thank you for having us. We're excited to visit with you. Yeah, me too. All right. So, Aaron, my first question to you. I've heard you say this. I don't know what this means specifically, but you said, I come from a broken home. How does that influence you as a mom? Well, on some level, we all come from broken homes, don't we? We've all been broken by the fall. But in my case, that meant that my parents split when I was 10. And my dad isn't in my life at all anymore, which is so sad. But uh, the Lord and his kindness has given me children. And I'm getting to see so much redemption in their lives and our family because their daddy, my husband, who you're going to hear from, so faithful, such an involved dad, um, shows them Jesus every day. So I'm getting to see lived out in their little lives, what I didn't see lived out in mine. So it's a real gift. 
Do you ever find yourself uh, looking at, at Jason and his relationship with his boys and getting misty-eyed because you didn't have that? Uh, I do get misty-eyed. In fact, I got a lump in my throat just then when you said that, but it's not because I didn't have it. Of course, I wish I had, um, but that's not how my life um, worked out. But just God's goodness, um, getting knowing that they have stability, that they are understanding God as a father through the grid of their own good and kind and generous father overwhelms me pretty often. Yeah. Jason, there's a lot of boys that are growing up today who don't have that, you know, who come from broken homes, a dad that's not there. So it's gold if a dad is involved in his son's lives, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How have you seen mm. your own presence change the atmosphere? Because it sounds like to me, you spend an awful lot of time with your boys. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's hard for me to know the difference because my dad was in my home and very involved and active, a believer who um, raised my sister and I uh, in faith. And you know, really it's, uh, on, I'm on the outside looking into a lot of the situations where, uh, children don't have a father in the home, but I think that it's very obvious that children thrive the best when they're in a home with a loving mother and father caring for them appropriately. And I wonder if that's not, as I was going through this book, and it's a great book and all of the points, and we're going to go through some of the lies that, that boys believe, but I wonder if that's not the real takeaway, because I said before we went on the program, you two, I could just tell, you two really like your kids. You like your boys. You like spending time with them. You have conversations with them. You're, you're you know, taking them to school. You, I taught, we had a conversation a little earlier, Jason, you were talking about, and my son had a speech that he had to give today. So you're connected with them, and that goes a long way, doesn't it, Aaron? Yeah, and there's probably a woman listening right now that that made her stomach flip because she her kid's dad isn't in the home and that makes her feel disheartened. In fact, we wrote a parent's guide for the book and instead of writing a dad's guide, we chose a parent's guide because we know the numbers and we know there are a lot of boys growing up without their dads, but there is so much hope no matter what the situation is. And you might be listening to this and I have boys in your home and I love that the Bible describes God's people as a family. Uh, that's what we are. So it may not be your biological boys sitting around the dining room table like we have at our house, um, but there are boys in your world and they are being lied to and you can be a person of influence no matter what circumstance uh, you have in your life right now. Yes. Good, good, good. What lies are boys being told today? I asked that question on Facebook and I'm going to open the phone lines for you. Maybe as specifically, what lies has your son been told or uh, has believed or has been as uh, almost believed, and how did you interact with him about that? But here's some responses. Darby says, manhood is toxic. That is a mm. huge thing, and you deal with that in the book. We're going to talk about that today. Tammy says that something is wrong with them if they're not great at sports. That's a really mm. insightful thing. You know, you are you are what you do. You are how you excel. And if you're not good here, then you're less than. 
Um, here's another, if, if they feel like a girl, they can be a girl. That's a number of people have been talking about that. You can be whatever you want to be, you know, whatever gender you want to be, that their masculinity and manhood is something to be ashamed of. So Mm -hmm. just from those few that I just read, respond to those. Yeah, I think those are people who know boys and know what boys really are facing. And all of us are aware of the gender bending thinking that is happening and swirling around us. What we don't really know is exactly how that's impacting our boys, but it is impacting us. And so those are all things that I would say we've seen our own boys uh, face to one degree or another. And some of those seem really big and some of them seem minor, but the thing about lies is they can kind of worm their way into your heart, seem start out as something small And of course, the deceiver would love to grow those into something bigger over time. Right. And several of those lies that your uh, social media uh, participants answered, you know, and gave you were uh, they all I don't I can't say all, but many of them nod back to that one of the early ones, which was the masculinity is uh, toxic. Yes. And um you know, the gender bending and and things like that, a lot of times is a version of that lie that masculinity is toxic. Not, Not that some men aren't toxic. Definitely some of them are, uh, and that should be prevented, um, if at all possible and at all costs, but, uh, not everyone who is a man or a boy is toxic. And, the gift of masculinity is just that it's a gift, both to men and women. Uh, if it's lived out in a real honest biblical way. Bingo. And that's why Aaron and Jason have written lies. Boys believe and the epic quest for truth. It's for your boy. And we're going to tell you more about that. There's also a parent's guide to lies. Boys believe just go to the website. You find out more at chrisfabrylive.org chrisfabrylive.org. What are the lies that boys believe? Here's the number, 877-548-3675. What lie has your son been told? And is he believing that lie? Are you connected with him enough to be able to talk through that? If he's not believing it, why? What was the process that you went through? I want to hear from you today, 877-548-3675. We're talking with Aaron and Jason Davis, authors of Lies Boys Believe, and it's a really unique format we'll talk about here in a minute. But I want to get to, uh, Shelly said this. This is is so prescient for Shelly. Thank you. So many of our boys don't know whether to step up to the front or linger in the back when stressful situations arise, it's almost like uh, she and she's not saying this, but I'm I'm filling in the blank here. It's almost like they're afraid that their their masculinity or they're, they're second guessing themselves and um, not being able to respond with what is in here. Jason, what do you think about that? Well, I I think she's right. The uh, unfortunate truth is that boys receive a lot of mixed signals. Um, well, you know, you're, you're too, you're being too much like a boy. You're too wild. You're, um, you know, 
boyish all all of the things that that means and that's inconvenient that's uncomfortable to us oh why don't you you know you need to toughen up and and be a man and um whenever you're getting mixed signals like that uh it's hard to know what your role is and and where to step up where to step back and uh honestly you know i think that that even for somebody who's uh, committed to their own manliness, masculinity. It, it's always a, a tightrope, no, knowing um, where to engage and where not to, and uh, what's casting pearls and what's not. And uh, a, a man who seeks the Lord will desire to um, stand up for his convictions, but not in a way that's uh, demeaning to others. And that's, that's a tightrope to walk. And in addition to that, you have uh, varying levels of personality within boys. I know just between our four boys, you know, we have uh, some loud, boisterous and some more quiet, contemplative. That's really good. And I'm, I'm filtering this through my own experience, you know, uh, as a kid growing up in the sixties and everything that, that happened, everything I was told and, and believed there. And when you don't have a, a pattern, when you don't have somebody there to help you talk through this, then you're all alone. And no wonder then why some boys will linger in the back when this situation comes because they've never been taught. They've never, it's never been modeled for them. Uh, Courtney's on the line in Peoria, Illinois. Hi, Courtney. Go right ahead. Hi. Oh, thank you for having me on. I love your show. And I think this is a great topic to cover. Um, just for me, I have two boys, a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old. And um, I think there's this idea that uh, boys are, and men are not allowed to cry, like ever. And I disagree with that. You know, if we're watching a movie and, you know, there's a touching moment or something, I think it's okay to cry. They they started telling themselves, you know, like, oh, I can't cry because I'm a man and I have to be tough, kind of like what you guys were saying, like men have to be tough, but it's okay to cry. And also, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, one of the shortest verses in the Bible is <laughs> Jesus wept. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And I, I love that. And, you know, right there with Lazarus. And and again, you know, think of the sovereignty of God that he waited. He he hung around. He didn't run there to, to you know, to rescue Lazarus. He waited for that, um, the death to happen, and then wept with them, not weeping. Um, well, I'm getting I'm getting in my teaching mode here, but I just, I just love that scene, and that that Jesus yeah. lived that out for us, and he was 100 percent man. Um, Aaron, what do you say about mm-hmm. that? I would say you can get in your teaching mode anytime you want around me, Chris. <laughs> but I totally agree. I love Courtney that you pointed us to Jesus. I would point us to David. I mean, David was a really emotional guy, uh, but also a giant slayer warrior. And I don't think it's just men that struggle with showing emotion. Women do too. The first thing women say when we start to cry is always, I'm sorry, we apologize. And I think we maybe all equate emotion with weakness, but God created emotions, not that they should run unchecked or that we should be slaves to our emotions. But yeah, I think our boys can have some of that. They can feel like it's weak for them to feel anything other than strength 
And I hope that we would encourage them that God wired them to feel a variety of ways and empathy uh, for others can be such a strong version of masculinity. Yes. A healthy balance. Yeah. Um, I know that you, you said that women apologize. Whenever I start to cry, I say, I'm really very tough <laughs> to, to try to convince everyone that I'm, I'm very tough. But uh, the older I've gotten and the more babies we've had, the more, uh, the more connected to my emotions I think I've become. And uh, I am, I'm, a, I'm a man's man, but I weep sometimes. And I think that boys should feel that freedom um, to be balanced and, uh, and men that feel emotion and experience loss and sorrow and those emotions. Not everything needs dirt rubbed in it. Some things do, but some things they just need to be able to express how they really feel. Sometimes that causes a terrible infection. Yeah, you're right. I wasn't being literal. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that people have called here and done that very thing, though. You know, the, the, their their mm-hmm. voice will break and they'll say, uh, oh, I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. Or they'll yeah. s- just say, simply say, I'm sorry. And I think what, what they mean is, you know, I wanted to get through this because, you know, there's a time limit. <laughs> you know, I don't want to waste time, quote unquote. But to me, hearing some, reaching a level of emotion of the heart is probably the best thing that will happen in that hour or 54 minutes or whatever we have together. When you get to that level, then you're not only getting to the person who's talking, you're talking to the person who's listening, who's driving in the car, who's feeling the same way. And I just, I wonder if there's not somebody listening right now who said, I never had any man in my life who modeled for me that it was okay to have emotion, that it was okay to get frustrated or be happy, be elated, but also to be able to cry. Did you, Jason, did your dad uh, weep before you? Yeah, I mean, uh, on occasion, he he's not an overly emotional guy, uh, but when the situation called for it he would he would cry and uh i would see that yeah yeah um, see my it, dad grew up in the again depression, i'm blessed the to depression. have that example um and he would cry at the star spangled banner and he would cry mm-hmm. at the end of the waltons when everybody said good night you know earl hamner would be speaking <laughs> he could cry in yeah. those times but i didn't see him you know, he was very strong. He's a farmer. He was, he held it all together. I didn't see him weep in those, in those other moments. And, you know, maybe I wasn't uh, old enough to see that, but having not seen that when the emotion would come up for me, I I would always feel bad about it and would always Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, there's something uh, wrong with me that I, that I was feeling this way. And to have a dad in your life, like Jason, who said, no, no, that's, you need a you need a, a mentor in your life. You need a dad in your life to be able to say that and to lead you in that. So, of uh, Courtney, did you have anything else to say about that? Uh, I just love the conversation that it sparked, and I love listening listening to it. My dad was really tough too. He was a Vietnam veteran, and I saw him cry. My grandpa loved the Lord just more than anything. Um, God rest his soul, and I remember having a conversation with him and um, 
I was really young and it was after church and I told him because he couldn't find me and I went to the bathroom because what what was being um, preached at the time moved me so much mm. inside that mm. I started crying. I can't remember what it was, but no one could find me and I was in the bathroom. I was in the back bathroom crying and I remember he said, that is so amazing and powerful that you felt that in your heart and you had that experience that, you know, the Holy mm. Spirit moved you in such a way. And he affirmed Praise God for that. godly grandpas. Isn't that great <laughs> that he affirmed yeah. that? And Courtney, you got to say that today. I'm, you didn't wake up thinking you were going to be do that, be able to do that, but you did. And I thank you for calling in here today. Aaron and Jason Davis are with us today, and I've got a number of people responding. I want to go to the book though, Lies Boys Believe, because you list you kind of picked ten, and then you add a bonus lie at the end. How did you choose 10? These aren't from the Ten Commandments, are they, Aaron? They are. They're from our own boys. I mean, our sons have been very involved in this process. But the Lies brand a book. There's books. There's a whole family. Lies Women Believe, Nancy DeMoss Wogamuth. Wogamuth wrote years ago, has ministered to millions of women. And then there's Young Women, Lies Girls Believe, Lies Men Believe. So we started with that kind of brain trust of trusted friends and ministry leaders and the lies that they'd written about. And then we talked to our own boys and um, the boys we interact with at Sunday school and our boys' friends and um, tried to really vet what are the lies boys really believe. The tricky thing is it's the nature of lies that you don't know you believe it. So to ask someone, what is a lie you believe uh, can be a real stumper. So we had to just do a lot of watching and listening and interacting and praying um, to come up with a list that we feel like of course, doesn't hit every lie a boy can believe, but some real core ones there. Yeah. Reading the Bible just isn't for me. That's the very first one. Mm-hmm. Why don't you include that first? Well, I think it's paramount. I mean, um, Scripture is where we learn who we are. It's where we learn who God is. It's where we learn um, how He wants us to live. And uh, it's a big book, 66 books um, written by many authors many years ago. And I think if a boy decides, eh, that's something my mom does, or that's something my pastor does, um, that Bible isn't just really isn't for me, then he doesn't really have a means to understand God on his own. So he needs to get into the word. And um, it's not an easy reading always. And um, there's some hard things about God's word and some just challenging things to read. But we want boys to have their Bibles open and realize everything, the treasure trove that lies within the pages of God's word. Right. And it's really fundamental and foundational. Nothing Aaron or I wrote in this book really matters other than what we point to, you know, where we point to scripture because our ideas are are great, but we are very much human. And uh, the, the real life changing foundational uh, information that's found in lies boys believe is actually scripture that we point to. Right. The struggle though is, um, with with church, with reading the Bible, it seems like it comes so much more naturally to women, to me, mm. or to to be able to worship God in song, for example, because I think boys sometimes have a harder time singing and singing on key or singing on pitch or hearing than than women do. I could be wrong about that. That was my, you know, growing up, that's what I observed. The, the women sang <laughs> better than the men did. Didn't never yeah. did know why. 
Um, so th- it, it becomes natural that that being in church is a more. It seems like it's more natural that women gravitate toward that, and that that women gravitate more toward reading the word on their own than men do. Um, and I may be totally wrong about that, but as a kid, that's what I, you know, what I observed. So that your boys see you reading from the Bible, Jason, you're mod- you're not just doing that to model it for them. You need it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you touched on something that's really interesting that's beyond the scope of the resource, but um, and I, I don't intend to step on any toes, but much of our church programming uh, these days is designed uh, for women for one reason or another. Um, uh, maybe it's the low-hanging fruit, uh, and, and I guess that's great, but um, it, it's not in a lot of ways designed well for young men and men. Uh, the Originally, the the church was a brotherhood, really, of men and their families, and in a lot of cases, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, we've gotten away from that. And what church has become is this uh, one hour on Sunday where we have to be really quiet and um, Sit still. not disturb anything. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. That's hard on our boys. I don't know about all boys, but that part's hard on our It's boys. hard on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, there's more here. There are more lies that boys believe. We gave the first one, reading the Bible just isn't for me. This is a really rich resource, not only because it deals with some bedrock truth, biblical truth, but also in the way that it conveys it. So I want to tell you about that, and we'll take more of your calls, 877-548-3675. talking about the battle for the hearts and minds of the next generation of boys today, but there's a huge battle for life happening in our culture. I see it every day in news stories. And you can model the importance of life in the home so that your children catch that vision. But what about in the broader culture? CareNet has a network of 1,200 affiliated pregnancy centers, and the people there are unsung heroes who are committed to serving women and men every day as they face unplanned pregnancies. The culture says if you're pregnant, you don't want to be, just take care of it, have an abortion. CareNet says there's a better way. And they have more than 300,000 women and men every year who knock on the door or call the phone and get free ultrasounds, free pregnancy tests, pregnancy decision coaching, options counseling, material support, parenting education. There are men who are learning how to be dads because of CareNet. And there's a whole lot more going on. There might be somebody you know who needs to hear about CareNet. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org today. We have a green button for you. I guarantee you, you're going to be encouraged about the work that they are doing 365 days a year. Click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org. Aaron and Jason Davis have written Lies Boys Believe and the Epic Quest for Truth. Dan is in New Hampshire. Hi, Dan. Go right ahead. Hi. How you doing? I'm, thank you very much for taking my call. Glad to do it. Tell me uh, why you called. Um, I relate with your with your program. 
for my entire life. I have just felt like I'm not good enough. Mm. And, you know, I know Jesus loves me. Mm. However, and I know that he, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I'm stuttering or whatever. Um, I know that he died for me, but I just don't get why he would have done that for me. Yes. Do you feel, Dan, um, a certain sense that God loves you kind of because he has to, you know, he's, he commended his love to us. Jesus died for me. and it, But if he were given the choice, he wouldn't spend a whole lot of time with you because, you know, you're, no, you're not, re- not. He's about the only one that I know truly loves me. Yeah. That's good. That's good to be at that point. But it sounds like there's still some distance if you feel like you're not good enough. Yeah. I right? Just- it was it was more or less beaten into my head when i when I was younger by your dad yeah yeah okay there it comes again the 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 whole yeah. the whole pattern of that which we grew up with we you know foist on God he is this way and there's there's good reason for that you know how can you not do it because that's a pattern you've had how do you break out of that? It's a really good. So hang on, Dan. Jason, I want your response. What What do you say to Dan? Well, I'm, I'm I appreciate you calling, Dan. And the honest truth is, um, this sense of uh, uh, unlovability is is really a pandemic among men. I can't speak worldwide, but the men I know, um, we we base our, our value, our perceived value on our ability to achieve. And, uh, achievement is, um, very difficult. And, um, we, we all reach varying levels of achievement, but the bottom line is we're, we're never really able to achieve enough to convince ourselves of our own value. Um, and it's a, it's a real predicament that men, are facing um you know we don't we don't share about the the struggles that we face because we don't think anybody wants to hear it and the honest truth is uh that's that's the truth in a lot of situations so we internalize all of that and it it grows and swells and becomes a bigger and bigger problem as time goes by okay so i want to hear what aaron has to say but let me ask you that question dan what you just shared with us I mean, and, and however many people are listening on however many stations, <laughs> what you just shared with us, have you talked about that with the people who are close to you? How, how many conversations have you ever had where you got to the place where you just were today? Um, not many. Yeah. Maybe a handful. A handful. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I just... And, and that and that is, you know, let's just be thankful that you got there today, because I guarantee you there are men who are listening right now who are saying, I feel exactly the same way that Dan feels. 
And uh, so, Aaron, it's your turn. Go ahead. Well, I can't speak to the man's heart, uh, but I can speak to the human heart. And um, I would say, Dan, you're right. I mean, we we don't have much to offer. We don't have what it takes. We can't um, fix our own sin problem. We are just dust. So those feelings, we've tried to slap the um, self-esteem uh, movement on top of that. And we are now seeing that that doesn't work. Um, the answer is not you're amazing. I'm sure you are, Dan. I don't know you well, but I'm sure you are. But what you're feeling is the ache of your need. And the only answer for that is to realize, uh, yeah, we're weak, but God is so strong. And scripture says when he looks at us, when Jesus looked at us, he saw us as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that is our true spiritual state. So um, I think it's in realizing our weakness that we recognize our tremendous need for him. I will often pray this way when I feel like you're feeling today, Dan. Uh, Lord, I'm weak and I know it now. I'm always weak, um, but sometimes I can convince myself I'm strong, but I'll have these moments of weakness and then I'll say, Lord, I'm weak and I know it now. And um, that's an opportunity for his spirit in and remind us of our identity in Christ, which has nothing to do with how we look or what we can achieve or what we've earned or what other people think of us or any of the things we attach status to. It I do sounds... want to say this too, yeah, to Dan, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to, we can't, um, we, we won't be able to achieve what we'd like to uh, during the small radio program. And those the, uh, those feelings um, are are very real, and um, I, I guess what I want to say is, uh, I hear you a as another man. I hear what you're saying, uh, and uh, for lack of a better word, I affirm that that what you're saying and what you're feeling, and you need to know that you're not alone in that. That almost every other man that I've talked to on a deep level experiences those very similar um, feelings about inadequacy and uh, value that you are. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know that that makes it any better. Love's company, I guess, at times. But uh, I want you to know that you've been heard and that you're not alone in that. Yeah. Yes. Same here. And Dan, um, I, I, the thing I was thinking about as you're talking and hearing Aaron and Jason is that the enemy has a, is having a field day with your heart mm -hmm. and oh. loves to accuse and loves to hold you under the water so that you can't breathe, you know, so that you feel and, – and it's going to take a, a, a Herculean amount of faith – for you, with all the, the background that you had and everything, to really believe that God means what he says when he talks about you, you know, read the first chapters, first couple of chapters of Ephesians, and you'll see who you are in Christ and what he has done, the lengths to which he went to redeem you and how he looks at you, especially when you feel like you're not good enough. Uh, and I hope that encourages you. Anything else you wanted to say? Um, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I I know that I know that Jesus loves me. He pursued me for. I was mad at him for 
many years, and he just kept on pursuing. That's great. Well, he he caught up with your friend, the Hound of Heaven, caught up with Dan. Aren't you glad? And uh, we'll take a quick break, come back with our guests, authors of Lies Boys Believe, and sometimes turn away from those lies and believe the truth. Find out more about it at our website, chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. Lies Boys Believe and the Epic Quest for Truth is written by Aaron and Jason Davis. You can find out more about it at chrisfabrylive.org. Click through today's information. Make sure you do that. There's also a parent's guide to Lies Boys Believe. So this is a book that, that young men, boys, read on their own, and you can work through this with them. But it is in story form. It's in fictional form. So, Aaron, tell me why you decided to do that in The Power of a Story. Well, we just paid attention to what was on our boys' bookshelves, and our boys are at varying levels of reading ability. They have varying interest in that, but they all love fiction. And I think broader than that, all boys love cowboys and uh, dragon slaying and all of the things that boys get interested in, pirates. Um, And so we really wanted to write in a format that boys would naturally gravitate toward, and we want them to get caught up in the story. There's a story a dad and his two boys, they take this really exciting trip out west. And along the way, uh, we wanted them to get these deposits of truth. So the first most important thing is the boy has to love it, right? Even if it's full of really good stuff that parents want their boy to know, the boy has to be interested. And we hope that this book accomplishes that. Yeah. And you drag him in. <laughs> when you when you go on a trip with dad, you got to drag him in and, and then you don't let go. Um, right. So we haven't talked about some of the other lies then. Can you pick one or two more that you deal with and tell me what the lie is and how you counteract it? So lie number five in the book is called uh, Girls Rule, Boys Drool. <laughs> and uh, it's one that's uh, particularly interesting to me because uh, the the lie is basically that um, – boys don't have as much value as girls and uh, they are they are taught that lie uh, in various formats uh, in school where boys have trouble statistically struggle to sit for long periods of time and girls don't Uh, reading girls pick that up a lot quicker boys struggle with it a little bit longer again statistically um, and, and there's thousands of examples uh, to illustrate that our culture, that that our boys are told that their value isn't, uh, they are not valued as highly as girls. But the truth is that God is that God created uh, men and women in God's image to very specifically uh, display Uh, characteristics of God uh, with equal value and different purposes. Yep. I like that. So boys don't drool. (laughs) We know that. We know it from Boys and girls both drool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There you go. Uh, One more. Aaron, give me one more. 
Uh, line number eight is I can't control myself. And whether that is the boy with the explosive temper or the boy that can't stop playing video games or the boy that's sneaking into the pantry after bedtime, taking something that he shouldn't be taking that can show up in a lot of ways. Of course, all of us struggle with self-control. That's not just a boy problem. Um, but we want boys to know you have a helper, the Holy Spirit. And it's actually not self-control that you need, although that's a biblical phrase. It's spirit control. And so we don't want boys to just decide, this is just who I am. Uh, I can't help it. I can't control this. We want them to submit all of their lives to the rule of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Those are just two more of the lies. Let me give you another one. The bonus lie after the 10 is it doesn't matter what I watch, read, or listen to. And I heard you have a conversation, a different conversation, where you talked about you control what uh, your kids see on the internet and TV and that kind of thing. But when they go to somebody else's house, you don't have as much control. And as a parent, you can live in fear of, oh, what's going to happen? You know, I've got to control everything and you can't, you know, or when they're at school and and, or just with friends. So how do you deal in this porn saturated world that we live in? How do you deal with a boy who's naturally curious about all of those things that, you know, friends are talking about? Well, we've gone on the offense instead of the defense. We've operated from the position that our boys are going to be exposed to things that we don't want them exposed to, to varying levels. It's not like we just uh, throw the lid off and think everything's okay and just expect it. But we've decided that's probably going to happen. And unfortunately, it's been our experience that our kids have seen some things we didn't want them to see at ages we didn't think they were ready for on somebody else's device. And so that just alerted us that we've we've got to be ready and we can't just wait till it happens. So we're always having conversations with our kids about what are the kinds of things that we need to be looking at and why are we making decisions not to watch that? And what do we do if something pops up and what do we do if something pops up and somebody tells us we can't tell mom and dad, because then we'd get in trouble. We, we are dialoguing about those things constantly and we don't want to default to fear. We want to have our eyes wide open. We want to parent with discernment and wisdom, But we also want to recognize that God loves our kids more than we do. There's nothing that he can't redeem. And our kids are in a greenhouse of sorts while they're with us. But eventually they're going to have to stand on their own. So we want to equip them more than just dictate everything for them. Yeah, it's not about you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. It's about, in in my mind, it's not about the what. uh, Because the what's constantly changing. It's about the why. Yeah. Uh, why guard your heart? Why guard your mind? Why guard your eyes? Uh, why is that important? Yeah. Have and you just because shared... it's so prevalent, they are going to see it. And so we have, we have lots of opportunities to have that conversation. Yeah. Jason, for you as a dad, have you shared any of your journey? And I have no idea what that means, what your journey is. Most people in our age group were exposed to some kind of pornography by the time you were a teenager, if not earlier than that. Have you shared any of that with your sons? When it's appropriate, you know, two of my sons are are quite young. Uh, two of them are older and one-on-one when we're talking about a variety of things or those situations come up, um, I'll, I'll be honest with them, uh, you know, when appropriate and without 
sharing more information than necessary, but I want them to know that their dad is a human and that their dad uh, is a sinner in need of a savior and that when they fail, uh, they are a sinner in need of a savior as well. Yes. And they can come to you and they can have a conversation, especially, you know, if you're, if you're open enough with them to be able to say, or to apologize to them when you've, you know, stepped over the line, you said something you shouldn't have said to them or were, you know, and, and, and you apologize to them, then their estimation of you goes up and they, again, we get back to the modeling thing. So as we wrap up here, um, talk to the parent, talk to the single parent, and maybe talk to the mom, Aaron, who doesn't have a dad and really wants a dad, you know, in the home and doesn't have that. Mm. It, what's, what's the hope for the mom who's listening today, the single mom? There's a passage in scripture I love that says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Some will translate that as grace super abounds. And the idea is where there's brokenness, where there's sin, where there's hurt, God rushes into those things with his goodness, with his grace. I'm fortunate not to be a single mom, but was raised in a home with uh, out a dad for a lot of my childhood. And there's still a lot of pain and sorrow attached to my relationship with my dad. But I can tell you, I'm a living example that where sin abounds, grace super abounds. And uh, God is able to take care of that. And so I think it's okay to feel the disappointment and to wish your sons had a dad in the house and to feel sad if you were sinned against by the man um, that is no longer in the home. But uh, none of our hope was ever in our perfect families anyway, because uh, that doesn't work out. Our hope is in Jesus, and you can always trust that he's going to take care of things and redeem the hurt and the brokenness. Well, I know one of the reasons why you worked on this really hard together was that we have an epidemic of weak young men who are growing up who don't know anything other than just to experience life that way. And I'm seeing right. some other folks on, on Facebook respond to the, some of the symptoms of that. I think some of the lies that the culture has told young men and boys um, have fostered that. And this is one pushback against it. Lies Boys Believe and the Epic Quest for Truth. There's also a parent's guide to Lies Boys Believe. Aaron Jason Davis, thank you for being with us, friends. And uh, come back and see us again, okay? Thank you, Chris. It's been an honor. Again, you can find out more about that, uh, Lies Boys Believe, at the website, chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. You can click the CareNet button there as well. You can support us. Thank you for your support, even uh, those of you who have responded today. And come on back tomorrow for another conversation here at the Radio Backyard Fence. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.